There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord for the time we have that we can come together again in a place, in a city, in a state, in a country where we can come together and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Not being handcuffed, not being drug away, not being killed for it. There are many places in the world where this is going on this morning. People are being persecuted for speaking the name of the Son of God. The only name by which they must be saved. Jesus Christ. The anointed one of God. And the only one who qualified to stand in your place and take your punishment for the sin you've committed. What a Savior we've got this morning. I tell you, I almost lost my breath when I looked at the bulletin and saw that we were in Deuteronomy 6 because I've been there too. <laughs> just recently. And... uh we're going to teach a little bit on this on this account, let's say, of the children of of Israel finally crossing in to the land filled with milk and honey. Here in Deuteronomy, we saw and we see that the Lord is reiterating the laws that He's already given to the children of Israel. He, he didn't change them; He just basically had them re-rehearsed in the ears of the children of Israel. He's preparing them for their journey into this land of milk and honey, promised way back to Abraham. All right. We're going to be, to begin with this morning, in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 1. Here we have the situation where Joshua has sent two spies over, and we know the account. They were taken into the house of a harlot and basically uh, kept safe there. She hid them up on the roof, you remember. And they came back, and they gave a good report that even the giants of that city and of that land were afraid because they'd heard about God and heard about what God had done for the children of Israel. All right. Now Jericho, verse 1, chapter 6, is the book of Joshua. Now Jericho was straightly shut up. Shut up. They were afraid of the children of Israel. Really, they were afraid of their God who had done all these things for them and they had uh, heard from witnesses about what had been done by God Almighty, Jehovah, for the children of Israel. Now Jericho was straightly shut up. Why? Because of the children of Israel. They stayed in. They had big walls and they stayed. They kept them locked up. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. The Lord showed to Joshua and he said to Joshua, See, Believe, trust, exercise your faith in me who just brought you across the river safely 
That applies to us today too, doesn't it? We need to see that God has given us the victory. He is bringing us across the Jordan into the land of milk and honey. He is going to prepare this place for us, hasn't he? He has. And we need to see that it is a sure thing. He has given us the victory. The Lord here, in verse 2, And the Lord said unto Joshua, That is Jehovah. That is the self-existent Creator. Identifying Himself to Joshua. I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. There were giants in those days. I'm going to take just a few minutes to look at this, to look at them, these mighty men of valor. And certainly uh, it brings to mind Genesis chapter 6, doesn't it? Absolutely. Where uh, Satan attempted to contaminate the seed of the woman. Remember, the seed of the woman was promised in the Garden of Eden that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. Satan attempted to contaminate the seed of man by arranging this meeting, I guess, of the fallen angels with the daughters of men. And what came of that? Uh, they're called the Nephilim. They were giants. They were men of valor. Mighty men. Not just big, but mighty with strength beyond normal man's capability. Now you remember that the Lord prophesied that the children of Israel would be under bondage, in bondage for 400 years. Right? Absolutely. Now in Genesis 6, God swept away that contaminated seed, didn't He? He drowned it. He demolished them. Satan knows the Word of God. Don't think that he doesn't. And he knows something about the Word of God that we now know that's been revealed to us, and that is that it's true. That God is true. God is holy, righteous, and pure. What He says does and will come to pass, exactly as He has designed and planned it. So Satan knew that God had told through the prophets that Israel would be in captivity for 400 years. Satan had 400 years because where did God promise? The land of Canaan. Go all the way back to Abraham. You'll see the land of Canaan was promised to him even though other people dwelt there and possessed the land. Well, Satan knew that. So Satan had 400 years to plant these men of valor to contaminate the seed. And he did so. Now, these men of valor here, the uh, direct translation uh, of this word here is, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation, but it's gibor. Like Nephilim, but in some ways different. But it was still a contamination of the seed of man to try to stop the seed of the woman, the anointed one of God, Jesus Christ. All right.
I wasn't going to stay there long. So there we have that. Now, a lot of people disagree with that, and that's okay. Uh, you can prove it by the scriptures, and right. I'm with you. All right. They were mighty men of valor. All right. Now back up to the third chapter. Notice a few things here. Verse 9. Joshua 3, 9 says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God, Jehovah. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites. The land was theirs. They just haven't possessed it yet. The Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. The Lord of all the earth. Remember that ark? It was designed by God. It was built by God's instructions. The right kind of wood, we talked about that. The Lord grew the tree. In it were these holy items that the Lord had them placed in this ark. And it was a place of the presence of God. It represented the presence of God. In the holiest of holies, remember, the Shekinah glory would come down and hover over this ark. Okay. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into Jordan. Now therefore take ye twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And they did. And it came to pass, verse 14, when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come into Jordan, unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, when their feet touched the water, now the design of God, and they were being obedient. When the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, their feet, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks at the time of harvest, and that's the time it was when he passed over Jordan, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that in besides Zeratan and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed. They were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, verse 17 of the Lord, stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. The presence of the Lord, the ark of the covenant, and the Levites, again, again God's priests designated, chosen by him, that bore the ark, stood in the brink the edge of the Jordan River. God was there. That Ark of the Covenant represented His presence, remember? He was standing there first. Then His children passed over on dry ground. 
And it came to pass, verse chapter 4, verse 1, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command you them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's foot, feet stood firm, where God was represented, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you shall judge, where you shall lodge, sorry, this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, which was twelve. Notice, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant were still there. They haven't moved. All the Israelites had passed over. That's a lot of people. They're still standing there holding the ark. They haven't moved, nor have the waters. All right. Verse 6, chapter 4. The twelve stones, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean you by these stones? Who we are again, the children learning of the Lord from the parents and grandparents. That this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. Few people have searched for those stones. Not sure why. I wondered where they are. But I think they're probably still right there. They may be covered with ten foot of silt. Who knows? But what those stones represented was the twelve tribes of Israel. God's people. You remember John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3. Let's take a look at that. Remember John the Baptist baptized at the River Jordan and in the Jordan River area, as as it's told. Verse 5, Matthew chapter 3, verse 5 says, Then went out to him, out to John the Baptist, Jerusalem and all of Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, that's where he was, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. And they did. That's exactly what they said, and that's what they counted on. They counted on the obedience of the law that they thought they had. Think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. What stones? I believe it's the twelve stones that Joshua had one man from each tribe pick up there are those that say that they inscribed the name, their names on it. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't see that anywhere. But I wouldn't doubt it. God is able of these twelve stones to raise up what children unto Abraham, and He has, hasn't He? 
out of those 12 tribes, that seed stayed pure. Satan failed to contaminate the seed. And Jesus was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary. All right. Just a couple things I wanted to point out there. Back to the book of Joshua. We're in chapter 5, Joshua chapter 5. I was actually going to have somebody do some of this reading for me this morning, but I didn't, so I've done a lot of reading. All right, verse 5, I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 13, Joshua 5, 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Joshua is out scoping out the task at hand. Now he's got instructions about uh, the, the men of war going around and the ark going around once a day and then seven times the last day, I guess. But he's not fully convinced, I don't think, that that's going to work. Blowing a horn when he's standing there looking at these huge walls, thick walls, that blowing a horn is going to blow those walls down. He's wondering. He's looking at it. He's thinking about it. Is this going to work? He looks up and he sees a man with a sword in his hand. Apparently he wasn't afraid of him. He ran up to him, didn't he? Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. Who was this? Well, it was the captain of the host of the Lord. That word captain there, when you look it up, he was the, of the utmost authority of the host or the group of the Lord. It was the Lord Jesus, wasn't it? It absolutely was. It absolutely was. He was there with authority to cause those walls to fall down when His Word was obeyed. He stood between Joshua and the walls of Jericho. And the giants that were hiding within those walls. And well, they should have been. Because Jehovah had deemed them to destruction, hadn't he? Right. All right. Came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there was a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. What is the sword of the Spirit? It's the Word of God, isn't it? Yes, it is. His sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went up to him and said, Art thou for us or against or for our adversaries and he said nay but as captain of the lord of the host am i now come and joshua recognized him by that name the one with the greatest authority the same one who promised this land filled with milk and honey to abraham's descendants it's him it's god standing between joshua and the task at hand. And Joshua, verse 14, fell on his face to the earth. 
Why? Because he recognized it was God. This is God that parted the water. This is God that kept his promise. He fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. A lot of times we don't see the fact that God is between us and the task that God has put in our hand. We tend to see it the other way around, don't we? In our human thinking, we see the issues of life, the task at hand, between us and serving God. We might think, well, there's things in my life that are in the way. Uh, I can't come to God and worship God or become a Christian because of uh, my past history or, or my past lifestyle or the sins I've committed. I can't go to church because of this. I can't go to church because of that. We're seeing our issues of life between us and God. And we allow it to be, don't we? We do. I can't speak up in the middle of these people's conversation because they think I'm a nut or something. I can't witness about Jesus to this person because I know he's going to make fun of me or, or make me feel bad. You see, we're seeing the issue between us and obeying God, aren't we? That's not reality. The reality is God is between us and obeying Him. We couldn't obey Him. We couldn't keep the law. But He did, you see. He's between us and whatever problems we face. Just as the captain of the host of the Lord's army. It's still Him. It's the same person. What did Joshua do? He fell down and worshipped Him. He knew it was the Lord. That's what we need to be doing, isn't it? Realizing that God's not going to put something on you for you to do without providing what you need. Those that He sent out to preach the gospel and to heal the sick he told them, he said, don't worry about what to say. Just open your mouth. I'll be there. I'll give you what to say. That's the case with us. We need to constantly take a step of faith, don't we? That's what those priests bearing the ark did. They might have thought, really? We're just going to step in the water and everybody's going to be able to cross on dry land? Or maybe they didn't think that. Maybe they remembered what God had done for them in the past and knew that His promises were true. But they took a step of faith. And when their feet touched that water, God was there. And He came through, didn't He? And He separated those waters for them. His provision is mighty. We just need to trust in Him, don't we? Trust in Him enough to do what He said. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Oh, He's a great Savior. He's here. 
He's with you. Whatever you're facing, recognize Him like Joshua did. Recognize that He's there with you. Don't think you're on your own. Recognize that He's with you and He's between you and what you're facing. He really is. He's that kind of Savior. When they hung Him up on the cross, He was suspended between earth and heaven. And He made a connection for you from earth to heaven, didn't He? He did. Now, we are justified. We are being sanctified, set apart. The Bible says for His purpose. We just need to trust in Him that His purposes are right, don't we? And take those continual steps of faith in obedience to Him. He's a great Savior.